Game week two is done. Greg, how's the week, man? How did how did it go for you? Claude, how's it going? Yeah, it was it was a good week. I mean, seventy six points. Definitely can't complain about that. Um, I mean, two very high scoring weeks. I mean, goals flying in again. Some great soccer to watch. I mean, what more can you ask for? Yeah, man. So just looking at it, the the first week the average points was sixty one. Game week two, the average points was fifty six which is so rare to have average scores above 50. So to have it two weeks in a row is quite, you know, quite fascinating, I, I suppose. It just shows how, I, I suppose, the, the West Ham guys have been really bailing out m- most FPL managers over there. As exactly. for me, yeah, I, I got, I, I reached 71 points. And because of that, they, you know, at the top of the, the, the episode, I feel I need to give Mikhail Antonio his flowers while he's alive. <laughs> you know, man, what an FPL legend. 80th minute, 84th minute to come up with those two goals. And not only not only was it eight points from his goals, plus the three bonus which followed with it as well. Yeah. That was absolutely amazing. You know, that saved my week, really, you know, so... Yeah, yeah they, they, they say a fit Antonio, you just can't not have him in your team. Exactly. He he's almost like a fixture proof player. It doesn't matter whether he's playing against big teams, it doesn't matter whether he's playing mid table or relegation candidates. He's just a gift that keeps on giving in FPL. What an amazing player. What, I an, mean, amazing, what an amazing price, 7.5 million as well. Yeah, I think that was the carrot dangled in front of us because of his injury record. But I think at this point in time, yeah, even at 7.5, even if he has to go to 8, if he's fit, he'll be in my team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so looking at the, you know, just looking at my team over here, Obviously, I have some questions that I'll need to answer over my team. A few decisions I'm going to need to make because I have the three premiums at the moment, Salah, Fernandez, and Son. And that was never going to be sustainable. It's affected the balance of my team. So, you know, I've never liked the idea of having the... um, the you know f- four defenders starting to begin with yeah, i think we spoke about this during the preseason recordings as well and but it was Simikas who changed my mind and and i saw it as an opportunity but i think it's now starting to catch up i've always liked the idea of having the extra attacker because even though you have high scoring players like trent alexander arnold or robertson who consistently score highly in FPL, but it, the attackers just give you that extra higher ceiling. And yeah. well, they've yeah. just got that unlimited ability to exactly. to score, yeah. you know, twenty points, twenty five points in a game, and you just you're just not going to see that from the defenders. And I think that's that's probably one of the biggest reasons that I ended up going Bruno and uh, and not having him in my team to start off with, <laughs> is because when I did scroll through, you know, for the first few weeks it was going to be fine, but as soon as I started scrolling through on, on my on my fixture my team planner um, to game week four onwards, it suddenly became very difficult to maneuver my team around and to and you know it, I, I sort of thought if things change and I want to bring players in and want to do things. What are, what, am, what, are, what are the sort of moves that I'm likely to make? And having Bruno in that squad made it very difficult to make any of the moves that I sort of predicted that I might need to make. Um, and that is, like I said, the big reason that I, I didn't choose him. And so far, it's paid off for me. I've got, I've got Greenwood, 
uh, as, as my Bruno cover. And he's got three points less than Bruno and he costs, what's it, five million less? Four and a half million less? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that, that for me, so far I'm happy with that decision. Hopefully uh, Bruno doesn't, doesn't continue to make me pay. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, and that's, that's the thing. Like, I think in game week one, it paid off where all three of my premiums fired. Game week two, all of them blanked. So hopefully that changes a little bit this weekend and, you know, I can get away with it just for, just for one more week until we get to the ending of the international break then i can decide what to do with him but it looks yeah. like you know de- depending on you know looking at let's say no drama with players coming back and needing to isolate or whatever i i'll have two free transfers to make during the international window and i'll have to make a decision on either one of fernandez and son and yeah. and decide you know, I think I think you have to pick between between the two. Of them. Yeah. And, and there has been yeah. some good news on the players' uh, quarantine front. Um, they've they've said that none none of the Premier League clubs will be releasing any players uh, to countries that are on the red list. So essentially, any players that would have to quarantine aren't going to be going on international duty. Okay. So well, I suppose that's good news for for FPL managers and Premier League clubs all over. And uh, yeah. So exactly that. Uh, you know, I, I'll need to. I'll have two free transfers that I, that are, and it's kind of what I've always planned to take two free transfers into the international window because, you know, two weeks is such a long time. You just don't know what can happen with injuries or whatever it is. And also I felt, okay, with two, two free transfers, it gives me the opportunity to jump on a specific bandwagon, like, you know, Saeed Ben Rahma or some, someone like that to be able to, you know, at 6 million, bring him into my team. And especially if I if I move one of Fernandez's son uh, out of my team, that allows me two good mid-priced midfielders. You know the Jota, Greenwood, Ben Rahma, those, those type of players. There's a few options emerging in that in that bracket. Yeah, Jota Jota yeah. looks good. I mean, I was surprised that he started again, um, and it seems like he, he that might be he might be getting that starting role more often now. And I think. Um, now that uh, Timikas' time is, is up and Robertson's going to be back, I think a lot of people are going to be rolling him out and, and rolling Jota in, into, into that midfield because at 7.5, if he's getting 60 to 70 minutes every game, he, he, he's just too good to, to, as an option for FPL. He's just almost a, an essential. Well, here's some numbers for you on Jota. He has, the, in terms of goals to XG differential, he's exceeding his XG by 1.22. So his XG is 0.78, which is not that high. I think it's about number 10 on the, you know, in the overall. But in terms of the the difference, I mean, he's he scored twice now, and yeah, so it's 0.78 XG with two goals. So he's exceeding it by 1.22, which is the third highest. Yeah. The highest uh, differential is Bruno, which is obviously the bulk of it came from the first game against Leeds. But well, I, I can yeah. tell you, none of it came from the last game. Thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that that was a, quite a surprising result there. And then, and then Greenwood is second, where he he's got two goals from an XG of 0.42, which is absolutely amazing as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a difference. He's exceeding his XG by 1.58, which is, it just shows what a quality finisher Greenwood is. And then, like I said, Jota is third and Saeed Ben Rahma is fourth, where he's got an XG of 0.83. 
and with two goals so yeah he's yeah. he's exceeding it by 1.17 and uh, those are the four players who are whose differential between goals and xg is over one and uh, everybody else is under one at the moment yeah i mean it's you know with a small sample size we've had two games there's always going to be huge variance in these numbers and, <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and that's exactly. the problem we face also as, as managers when we when we're trying to choose who to bring in and who, we don't, you know who's a bandwagon and who's 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 not um it's very difficult because when your sample size is so small um you've, you've got to you've got to kind of maybe use your eye test as the as the as the thing to 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 to, to choose your, to make your final decision um because you know at the moment it's, it's going to be very difficult to to just purely back these numbers yeah sure i i suppose so and and that's why especially with players who are not established and especially in as fpl assets i try to i won't call, say ignore them but i take it with a pinch of salt but especially with players like bruno or greenwood or jota they they, they now kind of have built up a track record in fpl so even though it's a it's a small sample size you look at it and you think oh okay you know what they've been here they've done this before so you can trust them a little bit as well exactly and that's the, i think that's key is it's the it's the ben ramas and um you know the, the the jota to a certain extent jota, jota i don't think the problem is his stats we we know from last season these stats and even the season before the stats are have, and have always been very good um it's it's the minutes that he's going to play that's yeah, key i think yeah. with jota especially you know? around that 60 minute mark or coming on for 30 minutes <laughs> yeah. it, it becomes a bit of an issue yeah yeah exactly and uh, yeah so look looking now looking at, at those numbers specifically and we're you know speaking about bruno as well so let, let's you know usually i suppose we'd start off with the captaincy kings and so this week i suppose no salah bruno no problem because i think <laughs> for the it's it's so amazing that two weeks in a row both Salah captainers and Bruno captainers can shake hands and both go away home happy because we kind of negated each other out and everything everything's fine in the game. <laughs> exactly, and I think I think everyone was everyone who's captain Salah in that early kickoff was was watching the Man United game from behind the couch um, <laughs> because yeah, it, yeah. it was a scary scary thing to watch that game when, when you know that a lot of people had captain Bruno. But yeah, I thought Salah was very unlucky. I mean, he was fractions offside um, yeah. for a beautiful, beautiful team goal um, and really, really should have had an assist. I mean, I don't know how Mane managed managed to miss from a meter away, managed to miss the ball completely. Um, yeah. He just couldn't sort his feet out, but I no. mean, he should have had a goal and an assist on any other day. Um, and so I think I think Salah as a captain choice for me was, was, was still the right choice. Was still the right one. Look, I was a bit disappointed with Salah over there. I thought, you know, he had the whole view of of the line in front of him. So, he, you know, to kind of make that run so early was a bit, you know, unlike him, I suppose. Mm. But, uh, you know, if, just looking at that finish alone, you can see why he exceeds his XG so frequently because it was such a class finish. I mean, you know, it, it was such a beautiful goal. Even the commentators were just uh, sad that, that it had been disallowed just because of what a good goal it was. Yeah, it was, man, yeah, 
every time I see Salah play, I think I'm so fortunate that he's a Liverpool player because to so, <laughs> to have someone like that, I suppose Man United fans feel the same about Bruno. You know, when you have that player where you're just happy that they're on your side because when when they do something so special, you know, you can at least celebrate it, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, so yeah, and is there anything specific that you've noticed this week that that, that stuck out for you from any of the games? Um, yeah, I, th- I think that obviously, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of games to go through, and I think obviously the Bruno, I think the Bruno blank was was a bit of a warning in in some respect that um, there's some things that we need to remember about last season. Bruno went through a patch and quite a long patch where he had very very poor returns. Um, so I think you know there's timing when it comes to having these guys in your team. When when he's not going to just bring you 20 points every game week, um, and there are going to be stretches where they where these premium assets don't perform, and that's where the big decisions come in. Whether it's to stick with them and through those those bad patches. Salah was the same last season; he had a bad patch. Um, do we stick with them or do we twist and and look at other options until until that form comes back? Um, the one thing that does worry me about Bruno specifically is I think there are going to be a lot fewer penalties that are awarded this year with the change in, in the refereeing uh, rules. Um, it's much harder to win a penalty and he scored a lot of penalties last year. Um, that's a big piece of, of, of his point pie, let's call it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's one to watch. Um, and then with fixtures, there sort of seems to be a bit of, bit of a swing in fixtures in game week four. So it's going to be interesting to see what people do. If they, you know, there's talk of people taking Salah out of the team, um, taking Bruno out of their team, and starting to look for other assets like Lukaku, um, Son, uh, Kane. If he starts, you know, if he if he's playing again. So I think there's there are going to be some big big fixture uh, swings in the in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then in terms of the game specifically, I thought. Uh, I mean, if we talk about the the Aston Villa Newcastle game. I thought uh, Tyron Mings uh, in defence really, really. Um, uh, I thought he was. I thought he was very, very impressive. Uh, and I think if, if if we're looking for a Villa defender, I think he's he's certainly the guy to go for. And then obviously you had your usual suspect of uh, Danny Ings uh, putting away an incredible overhead kick. Um, well, what a, what a goal that was! Did you see it? Yeah, and you know Danny Ings. That is why you know I love having him in my FPL team, is because he's the type of player who can, you know, you know, a player who can feed off scraps and and get you a goal in a game is is so vital in real life. And then to have that in FPL as well is just mm. a bonus because he's a real old school striker. Yeah, he's he? such a brilliant finisher. So to have him in the team, like even though you know maybe the the villa def, def, the villa attack hasn't been i suppose they they yet to click the season fully and i suppose it makes sense because there's been so many changes to that team but uh, when you have a player like ings over there you just feel okay you know what he can get you a goal and so far i mean two out of two so you know all's good over there but the the interesting stat that i've got out of that villa game is that they have the fourth lowest expected goals conceded right now. Well, yes, I know it's only two games and, you know, we spoke about small sample sizes and so on. Mm. But the the expected goals conceded is 1.55. Now, 
they conceded those those what, what was it two goals against uh, Watford sorry three goals against Watford and then they kept a clean sheet so looking at those defensive numbers i still think that you know anybody who has punted on villa defenders hasn't necessarily made a bad choice no i don't think so either i think i think i don't think villa are looking terrible at the back at all and i think another interesting one for me was was crystal palace um patrick vieira seems to have really gone for the let's let's tighten up the back strategy and let's make defense our priority and then and then take it from there and um, so th- their defense looks a lot better than or looks like worlds apart from last season. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be looking at those Crystal Palace fixtures too and brightly at this point at because moment, I don't yeah. think you yeah at the moment they've conceded I think one goal in two games. Well, um, actually they've conceded three so yeah, far three. because well they, they they well it was Chelsea first up so you can imagine yeah, that sorry, was a tough okay. fixture right. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, uh, sorry, did they, did, no, they drew nil-nil this past weekend, right? So it, yes. they, they conceded all three against Chelsea. So yes, and looking at their numbers, it was uh, the, the XGC, the expected goals conceded is 2.11, which I think all comes from the Chelsea match largely anyway. Yeah, so exactly. yeah, it, it, they, I suppose they definitely want to watch out for because they have a lot of uh, well-priced defenders as well. I think that's the key. I mean, we want we want to start at the top, and we want Chelsea defenders. Um, probably Ruben Diaz from from City looks like a great option. Your your usual suspects in the Liverpool team, um, and, and you start working your way down the team list from from the best defensive teams. But you you can't pick every premium asset because there's, your budget just won't allow it. Yeah. And so they're going to be these guys on your bench that possibly rotate in when they have a good fixture, or just you know use this bench fodder every now and again. Um, but you want to be choosing those just as carefully because it, it can be important. So you start to to out these teams that do have these cheap players and are, are looking like their defenses are improving, so that you can make the right moves. Especially when you look at that that wild card, you know you bring in the right cheap players, it can it can be all the difference for you. Yeah, definitely. And it looks you know you you speak about the wild card, and it looks like we we're so close to that now, where people are essentially planning their their wild cards around game week seven and so on. And uh, to think of it, already two weeks have passed now. So uh, I mean, can you believe it? Uh, it, it that we still we we effectively planning for five game weeks away from now, which which feels ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, well, and, I, I think there were, there were a few rage uh, wild card <laughs> buttons pressed for the guys that didn't have uh, Ben Rama in their side. Yeah, and uh, luckily I managed to managed to hold myself back when it comes to that. No, uh, definitely. Uh, I also, you know. Uh, I said last week I'm not going to make a transfer. I didn't make a transfer, so and I, I was still fine with the team. Like I said, you know, okay, fair enough. I'm not happy with the balance of the team, but I think yeah. even fixture-wise, going in with the with the four four two or whatever into this weekend. I mean, if you look at the fixtures as well, I think it's it's okay for at, at least. I think I could manage it another week or two, but after that, I'll need to 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 make some tough decisions as well. Yeah, well, when, that, that's the nice thing is when you have two free transfers, you you can either look at doing a little mini mini wild card and and doing three transfers, or maybe you, you're able to make the, the sort of team changes that you need to with just the two, uh, and that'll usually between the two three two or three transfers, you can usually fix most of that. Um, yeah, in, exactly. In one go. Yeah. And uh, and especially since you know I've got players in good price points as well, 
it it doesn't make it difficult to move players on as well so i think i'm covered over there so looking at some other numbers over here the one thing that's quite interesting is that though liverpool have kept two clean sheets they they rank 10th for expected goals conceded which is just below crystal palace and i must say towards the ending of that game with burnley I, I, I was literally praying because, you know, it's thanks to Alisson that we <laughs> that we ended up uh, coming away with a clean sheet because it, it we were so close to conceding over there. Yeah, I, th- I think it's happened in both games where we, we've given away sort of almost a lax, lapse in concentration and given away a really golden chance uh, to the opposition. And Alisson's bailed us out, fortunately, but... Uh, yeah, that's the problem. I think um, the Liverpool defence is still, uh, guys are still coming back together in terms of uh, Fund- Virgil van Dijk being back, and um, I think it will be a strong defence, but just need to cut out those those big chances that they seem to be giving away. Yeah, and if if I look at the trend over the last two or three years, you'll notice that most of the big clubs, the defenders, the defences take take some time to settle into the season and it's happened at Liverpool as well I think when was it you know the, the season that we won the league we we kept on I remember at the beginning you know when 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 Alisson got injured and then uh, Adrian came into the team we won all of those games but we kept on conceding one 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 all the time we weren't conceding lots but just yeah. enough to 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 wipe out all clean sheet points and a lot of us well I know myself specifically you know I doubled up I think I, I had um, was it Robertson and Virgil so that I could save a bit of money mm. and every time it was so frustrating I remember the opening day of the season Pookie scored against us and, and that was really frustrating you know you know just to see like uh, effectively 8-10 points just wiped out in, uh, in, in, in with one goal yeah. but so I think especially the fact that you know w- with the Liverpool team playing such a high line we tend to always give away that one chance per game and it's always been that case and I think now now with the players kind of just coming back in again especially with Virgil and so on Matip as well had a long layoff I think it will take some time but over the next few weeks or months I think we'll start to see them really improve and become a more solid defensive unit yeah I agree I think I think they'll settle down and I think they'll I think it's one of the best defenses in the league for sure um, interestingly enough I Brighton came through with their with their clean sheet this week, which was great. Um, you know, everyone's everyone was talking up the Brighton defensive assets uh, before game week one started, and uh, it's nice to actually see that at least a clean sheet comes through early on. Just to just and to not only did they keep a clean sheet, they actually scored for two games <laughs> in a row. Exactly. Neil Mope, you know, okay, well, look, he was very fortunate to to have one of those. It was it the first game, right? But it was a howler, but. Man, yeah, when he's scoring as well, then you know, okay, maybe Brighton are serious this season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, uh, just checking some numbers over here as well. So, Brighton's expected goal conceded is 1.84. They've only conceded the one, which is, uh, so, so it shows that they're looking much more defensively solid. Sanchez probably making some saves there as well. And then also looking at the XG, they've got an XG of three and they've scored four goals. They actually, for after a very long time, are actually exceeding the XG, which is 
man yeah, that's quite incredible yeah, i think that's, it, it, that's been a long time coming exactly because yeah. i mean especially last season it was so frustrating you kind of just when you had people players like mope in your team or or solimach or trossard or whatever you're kind of hoping rather than expecting that they could just fulfill that that xg potential but this season they they, they definitely one that i'm keeping an eye on at the moment and uh, i mean even look at what neomo pays you what like 6.5 or whatever it is he's still a bargain at that price yeah i think i think he is a bargain i i, I would still i think there's still a lot a lot of better options out there in terms of strikers yeah no sure moment. definitely definitely um, yeah. but he's one to watch for sure and and maybe when they do have that good good run of attacking fixtures you know he'll be the one to to, to bring in but i mean for the moment i think defensively they they are the way to go and, and at the moment with for the next six game weeks brighton are, are ranked in fifth place um just behind chelsea in terms of defense so still still great assets to own for at least the next six weeks yeah de- de- definitely and uh, i'm not sure if i've mentioned chelsea's uh, uh, expected goals conceded but they're amazing 0.63 but look i, I suppose for now we'll need to take that with, with a pinch of salt because it's crystal palace which don't have a good attack at the moment from what i'm seeing yeah and and then one of, and then one of the worst teams in the league and then one of the worst teams <laughs> in the league who who are way down talking about that team arsenal are sitting they they expected goals conceded is 4.34 and they've conceded four goals so wow. they're not even trying to stop the goals they, it's just going in and then they they xg let's look at their xg is 1.54 and they've scored nothing yeah. so yeah that, that they, is they look like a team shocking in, yeah they look like a team in disarray at the moment for sure yeah um, yeah, yeah. I, I won't be surprised to see some managerial change there soon over yeah, the next few I could see it even happening during the international break you know we've seen it at, at you know previously like Brendan Rodgers you know move, being moved on for Klopp we've seen it with many other clubs as well I think that it it might very likely be the be the case there where they change coaches during the international break Yeah I think they might need to I think the problem is that you know they 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 also kind of had this transfer window to sort out the the, the sort of player issues that they had at the club and i don't think they've done well there they've spent the most amount of money um they've brought in Ben White and uh, Aaron Ramsdale um Odengard looks like a good a good signing on on the on the plus side but i, I think the i think there's just it's just there's no happiness in the in the change room there at all yeah they, that it, needs to be sorted out no exactly that's priority and there doesn't seem to be a, a a real cohesive plan on how they're going about buying players as well i mean we were on the banker x chat last night you know um on on Twitter spaces doing a, a football chat and uh, you know um, uh, it was uh, Koji who mentioned that you know Arsenal bought six Volvos <laughs> they, <laughs> and, you know they they spent this this 130 million by by going in and buying six Volvos rather than just going and plugging you know uh, the, the squad in with two with two quality signings you know so yeah, yeah exactly. it, it, there doesn't seem to be any cohesiveness in the in the in the, in their plan and so on and even when the you know players like Aubameyang Lacazette come back they still don't look like a team that will fill me with much confidence like defensively they didn't look bad last season but they're still not good for as FPL assets anyway no it's unfortunate because you know i i had i did think i had been i have been watching my team at the moment um 
temporarily possibly. Um, and one of the reasons I, I chose him is because from game week four onwards, their defensive fixtures are fantastic. And the, the thing that was really concerning me about having him to start off with though, was that he was just owned by so many people. And I was worried that if he had a bad start, that then you start to get the so many drops. people own him, yeah. the price drops, people start getting rid of him. Um, and I didn't want to make a defensive transfer. And you know, I was forced into a transfer last week when Watkins, who I thought was a guarantee, you know, had a bruised knee in the first game, 50-50 to start, said, let me take a gamble because he'll definitely play game week two. Didn't happen. Now, now I had to make a transfer there. And now I've got Ben White sitting on my bench and it, he looks like he's going to drop in price. I don't really want to be losing team value at this stage. And that coupled with the fact that Arsenal's defence Although they ranked in fourth place, I think from uh, what is that game week game five four, onwards? Five, yeah. Yeah, game week four onwards, they ranked fifth, so they're still up there, you know. I I just don't have any confidence in them, and I think yeah, yeah. In, F, in FPL, that's a big. You've you've got to you've got to trust that if if a team isn't looking good, then it's better just to avoid them. And at the moment, I've I've literally scrapped all of my Arsenal players off my watch list, and I think the move that I'm actually going to look towards now is. An interesting one because I think that you know we haven't spoken about the Spurs defense, and under under Nuno they suddenly look like a different defense completely. Well, here's one for you, right? I made my you know we were speaking about not making defensive transfers. I kind of had no choice. I pulled the trigger last night and I used yeah. one of my free transfers, and I think it's going to be very predictable because exactly what we're talking about now. I moved Ben White out of my team and I brought in Eric Dyer. Now that's it's it's funny you say that because that's the exact move that I'm waiting to do. Yeah, and I've been trying to hold off as long as possible just purely because I'm I'm a bit worried about um, uh, Son's injury status. He seems to have have uh, pulled up with a with a bruised injury to his thigh, or hamstring um, at the game on the weekend, and you know they say it's 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 not it's nothing serious, and you know he actually he he felt it uh, in the warm-ups and still played I think 70 minutes. So it doesn't sound like it's serious, but you always have this worry in the back of your mind. I make this defensive transfer. Now, personally, I don't have any other free transfers left. I don't want to be forced into taking a hit in game yeah, three. Yeah, sure, of course. Yeah. Um, and especially so going into international yeah. break as well, you'd like to have some transfers in the bank going in. I mean, that, that would be first prize. Unfortunately, it, sometimes you just don't get dealt that hand. Um, and, and that's that's my case where I've, I've basically been forced into a transfer each week and I'm going to be forced into one this week either way, whether it's replacing Son or replacing Ben White. Um, and all I can say is thank goodness I didn't plan to make any transfers. You know, like we spoke about pre-season, if I'd planned to make a transfer in game week one and game week two, I would be stuck with a whole bunch of players that, that really I don't want in my team because I plan to move them out. Or I would have been taking hits because I've been forced into these other transfers. So that's really the importance of of not planning any transfers in the early weeks, so that now actually I can make these these transfers that I don't want to make, but I've been forced into. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And look, I I have been forced into this transfer because my issue is like, you know, Joe Feltman probably won't play this weekend because he only arrives back into training on Thursday, I think. So he'll most likely only play once, you know, in game week four. And then Ben White has COVID and he probably he definitely won't play this week. And now with Timikas in my team and Robertson looking to come back, you know, he looks like he'll start the, against Chelsea. 
Yeah. That leaves me with the situation. So I already had Bully Gilmore coming off my bench to give me two points. Yeah. <laughs> Which exactly. so what I've done is I've made the like I said the switch from White to uh, Dyer because I most likely Dyer will play anyway, and I've got Simikas in my starting lineup. And if Timikas plays, great. If not, then I'll have Gilmore coming in for the two points again. But uh, I, I'm, I'm holding on to Joel Feltman for now because I still like his fixtures. The issue is now, I've just seen, is that Brighton have signed another left back. I think Marco Curella from Getafe. So that becomes a bit of an issue. I don't know how that affects Feltman's minutes. But I'll, that's fine, you know. Mm. I'm not too worried about that because, you know, Kukurela's just arrived, so we haven't even, we don't even know whether he'll be a regular, you know, up front. But yeah, I, I suppose, look, you're always going to get these type of situations being thrown up early on in the season. And that's fine because, you know, that, that's why I suppose, you know, like you say, you need to be adaptable. You need to adapt to the situations. And at least because we haven't planned transfers, we kind of, you know, we're scoping out the situation saying, OK, I need to do this. I need to do this and whatever. And yeah, take it as it comes. Exactly. But I think I think one we do have to talk about is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. My gosh, he is... I can't ignore him looking, anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's also looking fantastic. And, and this was another one who was, you know, pre-season, I just couldn't fit an 8 million striker into my team. And, and I didn't go Ings and I didn't go DCL. And, jeez, he is looking really good. And their fixtures look good. Um, and he's taking. looks like he's taking penalties. I mean, it just looks like uh, everything's coming together for, for Calvert-Lewin. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was impressed with what I saw by them. He's, uh, he's taking a lot of touches in the box as well. I think he's got more touches in the box than anyone. I think it's like five or five shots in the box due over the two games, which is brilliant yeah. for an FPL asset. And yeah, the Everton are just surprisingly looking good in, in attack. Defense is still looking a bit shaky, which is so uncharacteristic of a Rafael Benitez team, I suppose. Yeah, it is, but it's, it's not uncharacteristic of Everton. And I think... When we spoke preseason and a lot of people had Dinier in their, in their side, I think that was one of the, the key ones where I said, I think that that's one to avoid. And, and that was just purely looking at the, at the fixture um, difficulty ratings and just seeing that Everton's defensive fixtures, not fantastic for, for, for the run compared with other teams. Um, yeah. Whereas attacking wise, I think that the fixtures were always going to be good. Um, it, it was always just a question of whether uh, Calvert-Lewin under, under Benitez was going to thrive or not. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so Everton are on my watch list at the moment. Not the defenders, definitely the attackers, specifically Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. And uh, talking about Everton, let's look at their opponent in Leeds, who you can never have one of these conversations without mentioning Leeds. Mm. And, you know, I spoke about Rafinha and having him in my team, and finally he came through for me with that yeah, goal. Yeah, what a fantastic goal as well. Brilliant, brilliant goal. And um, I was urging him on at the end to please shoot, <laughs> shoot to get the second one. And uh, look, yeah, he's one of those players, you know, I spoke about, and I said, yeah, I wasn't very convinced about the fixtures, but I thought at 6.5 million, I'd rather have him than Buendia because of the fact that Buendia is in a new team. And also I'd have Ings covering Villa's points, so I don't feel that I need to have Buendia as a priority. And yeah, I'm so, you know, 
I'm just so happy to have Rafinha on my team. Like, yes, okay, fair enough. I know for a little bit cheaper, I could have had Ben Rahma. But, you know, they, you know, now we're talking about crystal ball stuff here. And look, to be yeah. fair, so many people had, had side Ben Rahma in their teams that I can't call it that to be fair because, you know, a lot of people looked at the numbers and said, look, you know what, he looks good for attacking returns. But in saying that, they, you know, to have a goal from Rafinha finally, you know it was so worth it and he's got another good fixture coming up this this weekend as well against um Burnley away Burnley who are looking quite suspect at the back at the moment I mean the expected goals conceded is now sitting at 4.51 which is the second worst after Newcastle at 5.52 so yeah um I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Rafinha maybe even hauling in that game yeah, he looks. I mean, like you said, tried and tested. I think. I think that Rafinha over Buendia, Buendia was was a great move, and you know Ben Rama was was difficult because um, I think the whole of FPL Twitter had Ben Rama in their teams, but not not many other people. Um, he had a great preseason, but I think the the issue with me that I, the thing that I was always worried about when it came to Ben Rama is what were what were his minutes going to look like? Yeah. And, Fortunately for the Ben Rama owners, he had a fantastic first game, which meant that he was definitely going to be playing in game week two. He's had a fantastic game week two, and, and suddenly he becomes a fixture in, in the team. Um, you know, I don't think Moyes talks very highly of him. Every press conference, he sort of sees, instead of saying, oh, that was a fantastic performance, what a player, he's always he, he always makes these weird comments where he's like, Yes, he's getting better, but he still needs to work on this, and he doesn't. He doesn't really talk up Ben Rama at all, um, which which is quite different to to other managers. You know, a guy like Jurgen Klopp would be screaming from the from from the stands at how amazing this young player is, and so good to have him in my team, and uh, and that that I think those comments even after the first uh, first game from Moyes was. You know, it made me a little bit nervous of him still, but he, he really, Ben Ram is showing himself also to be a... Yeah, well, I'll put it on record. In, if yeah. we're talking about real-life football, yeah, the two players that I'd love to have at Liverpool are, are Rafinha or Saeed Ben Rahma. I think they're such <laughs> exciting players to watch, you know. Yeah, I think I'd take Rafinha. Yeah, I, I'm not I, convinced, I think so too. I'm not convinced on Ben Rama's quite yet. But I think uh, Rafinha, for me, you can see that there's there's quality there. Yeah, I think I just like them because you know they're the type of players where they you know they, they get you off your seat. You know, there's there's those exciting players, and even as a neutral watching them, they you know you you're pumped up to see them play. You know, so yeah, I think it's it's for it's for very superficial reasons, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. And uh, so now looking at uh, Spurs, we, you know, we spoke about the defensive assets, but, you know, uh, just checking out the, the XG over here, they sitting at an XG of 2.59 and they've scored two, two goals, right? So over the two games. So yeah. they're not that fluid in attack at the moment. But it seems like they're playing like a typical Nuno team who are strong, at, very organized, strong defensively, and they can hurt you with limited opportunities. Yeah, I, I don't think, I, I think, look, I think they've obviously they played City in the first game um, where City were all over them for, for the majority of the game. And Wolves aren't on a bad defensive side. I mean, they, they, they come up quite sharply in the rankings. I mean, from this week, they're already the seventh best defensive team, and then they go to sixth and fifth by game week six. Game week six. Um, 
So Wolves aren't are a good defensive side. They're they're certainly in the top ten uh, defensive sides in the Premier League. So I wouldn't give too much worry to Spurs' attack at the moment in terms of that. I, th- I think they have looked good in, in patches. Um, Kane, we're still waiting to see what happens with that whole saga. But if he's back, he'll certainly add to 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 their attacking output. Yeah, definitely. And I yeah. think interestingly enough, um, I think Nuno, Nuno has done an, a, a sort of a masterclass in bringing Delhi Ali. In, in from game week one and, and, and you box can see box. yeah and you can see he's got confidence like he's got that confidence back and Denny Ali seems like the kind of player you really want to have in your dressing room on your side and I think Nuno's done well he's almost you almost feel like he's gone to him behind the season scenes and said you're my best player like I need you to perform you know he's the kind of player that needs you to say that to him and he, he's been given responsibility he got given the penalty um, and, and then you see a guy like that will start shining and he he's emerging as an as a as an option at 6.5 million. Um, you know he could be he could be a win if his form continues. Um, but I think Kane and Son are, are the obvious choices at the moment in terms of uh, the Spurs attack. And with all the euphoria around Mikhail Antonia, the, the one player I can't believe I've waited this long in the in 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 this episode to mention him is Riyad Mahrez. He finally scores, comes off the bench and saves so many people. Oh, thank goodness he scored. I mean, when I saw the, the team news came come out and he was on the bench, I was just, I can't believe this. You know, <laughs> this Pep Roulette game is just too much for me. I mean, th- there was a guy that I was like, well, he's been through the whole preseason. He, you know, he's been training longer than anyone else. Surely, at least the first three game weeks, you've got a nailed-on starter and a guy that Pep put all his trust into at the end of last season for all the big games, um, and then he doesn't even start. And thank goodness he came off and uh, off the bench and scored and at least got some points. But I mean, isn't it amazing that I, that that's because of Pep Roulette? Um, I mean, they scored five goals against Norwich. We haven't even spoken about that game, and and they had what's it, four different goal scorers and, and an own goal. So, yeah, I mean, that's the problem you've got with City players is you want to have one in your team so badly because they can win a game 5-0. But then the problem is the goals get distributed. Yeah, they, they quite, don't have a talisman often. at the moment. Yeah, they've got no talisman. Yeah. yeah. And and then who do you choose? Because you don't know who's going to be benched this week. I mean, Grealish looks like he, he might be one of the most nailed on players. Grealish and Gundogan. Um, it's it's going to be tough. And and you know you go back to the old thing the old thing that we did last season of just avoiding man city players completely even though they're the best assets to own because you just don't know if they're going to start yeah like how how i did it last season was like if i saw that okay kevin de bruyne missed two games then i'll take then i'll take up onto him and i'll say okay fine he's coming into my team Mm -hmm. i'm going to captain him or whatever and then look to shift him out but at this point in time i suppose with so many different options I've just kind of avoided Manchester City players altogether. I'd really like to have... I, I think that goes for ev- everybody in the FPL community would like to have a City player in their team. But for obvious reasons, like you say, it, it just becomes too much of a risk at the moment. It's so difficult. I think yeah. the only one you can really count at is Diaz at the back. He Last season, he played almost every game. And I think this season, it's going to be a similar story. He seems to be the, the rock yeah. and the foundation. Um so I think if you, if you are looking for a defensive asset from City, I think he's the way to go. He, his attacking output is is disappointing, um, and he got an assist in this game, which is which which was great um, for him. 
but um, yeah, I think I think he's the, at least the one that you can trust. You, you don't want to be paying six million, six point five million, five point five million for some of these city d- defenders, and then they sit, and then they don't make the team, the starting lineup. And if they come off the bench, it's even worse for you. So yeah, I, th- I think if you're going to go city defense, he, he's the guy to go for. Yep. And uh, yeah, definitely, I, I agree with that. And I think, look, there, there will be ga- games where he does get rotated as well. But I, looking at it, I think he'll play at least three out of four games, which I think for City oh, player... No, I, th- I think it'll be way higher than that. I, I would be willing to say nine out of ten for, for, for Ruben Diaz. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair, look, that is amazing. But even at three, three out of four, I'd probably go for it because if you have cover on the bench for that one game you you still feel confident okay on the other three games you you'll be covered and that's yeah. good enough for me yeah yeah if you've, if you've got bench cover and you've got guys on the bench with good fixtures then it becomes much more of an, a much easier option and it's interesting because with all these cheap midfielders um and forwards that are performing this season you know it's only been two game weeks like we keep saying but these guys, you know, that there seems to be some real informed players and goals flying around. It makes it a lot easier to to have a stronger bench and to and to have more expensive defenders um, because you're not spending all your funds on these premium guys and the premium exactly. guys are the only yeah. ones the only ones returning. Yeah, de- de- definitely. So, and then talking about premium defenders, I think you know to to wrap up the um, this specific episode. Looking at Manchester United's defense now, they've got expected goals conceded of 1.33. They've conceded two, yeah. and uh, yo, I mean, such you know, such a weird game. But and shock still came out to two bonus points. What do you make of the of the United defense at the moment? Do you do you think it it's it's something you know along the lines of what I spoke about earlier, where as the season progresses you think that they'll grow in grow into it and become more stronger yeah they should they should get better they've also got Verona coming in um yeah so definitely i mean you'll make a huge that. difference yeah, you, yeah. you should make a huge difference um i mean i think shaw's two bonus points that must be one of the lowest bonus point scores i've ever seen in my life he did he it last season points. as well yeah i mean he, it, it was incredible that Hank greenwood on 21 got three bonus i mean it was really really low stuff and uh yeah i mean yeah. disappointing result for united to draw with Southampton and concede, I think everyone everyone was banking on a clean sheet there. Yeah, so, I, I was looking at a full house over there, clean sheet and some attacking yeah. returns, and and it just never come. Yeah, well, look, you know that that's it for for this episode, and then yeah, we'll do a preview of uh, ga- game week three, which will come up soon. Okay, cheers, Brilliant. Greg. Thanks, Claude.